Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wow. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. But <laughs> on top of it, I mean, it's time to make your second opening day start, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's f***ing do it. <laughs> let's go. Congratulations. Thank you. Very proud of you. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Love you. Thank love you, you so too, much. Brother. You are listening to Rum Bunter Radio. We're getting near the end of February, but we are into spring training now as Pirate City is well in motion. Bradenton is buzzing as spring training has begun. Mitch Keller, he is going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for at least uh, the next five years. An extension has been met between the Pittsburgh Pirates and Mitch Keller. Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso, Trey Entity joining you for another episode of Rum Bunter Radio. Gentlemen, we have our ace and we have him signed up. The biggest contracts the Pirates have ever given to a pitcher. This one goes out to Mitch Keller. $77 million for five seasons. This is where we're going to start our episode tonight. We got to talk about Yasmani Grandal as well. That news broke since the last time we met here. Some other little news and notes. Uh, and of course, the beginning of spring training as well. We'll talk about all that tonight. And as we get into the episode, as always, go check us out on the written side as well. Rumbunter.com. You can find articles breaking all this stuff down in detail, getting you ready for the season. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, recapping what has gone down this offseason, everything that has taken place over the last several months. Gentlemen, as we get into the episode tonight, how are you guys doing? Nick, I know we didn't have you on the last episode. How's this uh, start of 2024 been for you? No, it's been a good start. Uh, happy um, that baseball's starting up, obviously, but, you know, it's <laughs> another day and another pirate story. It's been it's been a crazy uh couple weeks in pirate land so definitely looking forward to just watching some baseball <laughs> it has been a wild stretch you said it man i mean it's uh you know i feel like we dropped our last episode and then right after that a bunch of news started breaking and it hasn't stopped since then um yeah ready for some real baseball marty how are you doing yeah, you mentioned our last episode and it drops and then the news starts. I remember at the tail end of that episode, me commenting on how, man, it really would be great for the Pirates to find another veteran catcher to bring in here to go with Henry Davis, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And literally like 24 hours later, they signed his Monty Grandal. So, uh, yeah, um, it's been a busy time. You know, baseball starting, it's great. We, we have our first pony practice next week, our first junior high practice the week after. I live for this time of year, man. Um, my youngest is – He'll, he'll be starting with uh, Little League up here soon. Just I love it. The weather turns. The weather's getting nicer. Um, we get baseball season. It's it's the best, man. I'm just I'm, I'm pumped for bought. Bought our tickets for opening day today. Um, um, April 5th is actually <clears throat> the day my dad is retiring from work. So, you know, he's he, he's going to take his final vacation day on his retirement day so we can celebrate his retirement, go to the home opener. So that'll be a blast. Just can't wait, man. Just, just happy to have baseball season right around the cor corner here. Man, what a day. 
I don't know what's better there, Marty. The day that you retire or a day you get to watch your 2024 Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, that is uh, <laughs> that is going to be amazing. Uh, opening day, uh, incredible to think. April 5th is so close already here. Um, but, you know, we're starting to see a lot more happen. Obviously, Mitch Keller, that deal uh, coming out today. Yasmani Grandal, within the last couple of weeks, it has been busy. I think that's the one word we can use to describe all of this. Uh, and we're going to detail Mitch Keller here to start the episode. But, but real quick, guys, we've finally had a few more moves there's been some movement there's been at least something that uh helps you feel maybe more positive than we all did a couple episodes ago or you know even a month ago on a scale of one to ten nick how would you rate this offseason to this point uh with the keller extension in consideration there um let's let's get away from the one to ten scale you know let's <laughs> let's do a little grading system instead uh, yes Let's go, you know, I'm going to say this puts it at a B, the Mitch Keller extension, and I think that makes up a lot of ground. That that was a must for them. Um, if they didn't get that deal done now, there's a good chance that he's traded within the next calendar uh, year. So um, for them to, you know, again, just actually commit, money to a player that they have developed um you know they gotta they gotta do that when they can uh we we see how tough the development has been and we see um players in the past who have left here and have had a lot more success um you know so to get mitch keller at the price we got him at um you know that that was a slam dunk as far as I'm concerned. Everything else, like without the Mitch Keller extension, I would have been probably like a C, C minus. Honestly, the Keller extension, like I said, was a big boost for me um, just because it, it represented a lot of things, you know, highest average annual salary, highest pitcher contract. Like you said, um, you know, them spending, money for for once you know it's just like i said it it's the stuff you want to see them doing and that they should be doing so that was great the other moves um you know uh uninspiring um i think it's the best way to put that the grundall signing i'm fine with i'm i'm into it um you know he's Veteran catcher, like Marty said, we we get him hopefully um, working with Davis. It sounds like he's going to maybe get a majority of the reps um, to start the season. Hoping that means Davis will be still in the lineup and not in AAA, which is a whole other conversation that has been brought up before. But, you know, I think it's just uh, the Grandal signing, I think, you know, it, it stands out to me. Um and we can circle back to that later with the Gary Sanchez stuff. Um, but I'll just hit real quick that the Gary Sanchez deal was finalized yesterday. Um, they had to rework the deal with him. So sometimes, you know, things aren't exactly what they appear to be. You know, everyone was pretty bummed out that we missed out on Sanchez. And, you know, maybe there was – just a little more to, to what we saw the pirates, I should say. And, 
the brewers, you know, it, it popped up for them as well, but they were willing to work, work a deal with them. So getting Grendel instead of Sanchez is to me, it could be a wash essentially. Grendel has a lot of bounce back potential. Um, and at the very least, he's going to provide exactly what, you know, you can want from a mid-30-year-old veteran catcher, which is leadership, working with the pitching staff, and hopefully uh, developing, you know, the younger catchers. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you said it. I mean, who knows, uh, you know, what it looks like in the long run. It probably is a wash. Um, you know, and even on the surface, I don't think it's, you're looking at these two guys and thinking there's, um, you know, a huge distinction between the two. Uh, so, you know, I think Sanchez at first, like you said, that, that was the deal that uh, that got more people excited. Um, but sometimes things uh, may appear a certain way on the surface. Um, you know, they don't turn out that way. The Dodgers back in, in 2018, their fans might have been bummed out because they didn't get that lefty reliever that could have changed their season. Um, it might have worked out for the best for them. Marty, uh a letter grade for you uh, before we really dive into Mitch Keller's here. Now that there's been some positive headlines, um, I think we had maybe a D last time. What do we got now? To me, it's still strange. I think you have to almost tackle this in two ways because Nick said the best thing they've done this offseason is extend Mitch Keller. 100%. That is the highlight of the offseason. But extending Mitch Keller in no way, shape, or form changed the outlook for 2024. You know what I mean? You were going to have him in 2024 no matter what. Now, moving forward, the idea of having at least four to five seasons of Paul Skeens and Mitch Keller's one-two punch is pretty damn exciting, and that's a one-two punch that probably can win you a decent amount of baseball games. But um, and then I, you throw in the other you know, starters, and yeah, if you can get one of them to hit with Jones. Exactly. You, know, Chandler, like you, you, like, you, you would like to think – I mean, I realize this is the Pittsburgh Pirates, so tread lightly – but you would like to think that between Jones and Solomito and Bob, at least one of them's got to work out, right? Like at least one of them has to work out. I don't know, but I, I'm probably going to go a little lower than Nick, maybe like a C area, just because to me the the highlight of the off season is a move that does not change anything about this upcoming season. And when I look at the off season, to me the primary goal is what are you doing to improve to win this season. And like Nick said, it's been very uninspiring. I mean, I, I like the Osmani Grandal edition for all the same reasons he said. Um, honestly, I, I'm not certain, even without the wrist issue, I might take Grandal over Gary Sanchez. Um, I know Grandal had a rough season last year. Should it be the, what we're most excited about? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Whenever what you're most excited about is your backup catcher. And the other one I was going to say is Chapman, who, I mean, Oh. potential off-field personal issues aside, um, your eighth-inning reliever are your two big moves that you're excited about. Uh, yeah, that's that's telling. But, no, I, I even wrist issues aside, like I said, I might take Grandal over Sanchez. I know Sanchez had a better year last year, but Grandal is undoubtedly the better defender. He's the better guy for Davis to learn from. And on top of that, like from 2012 up until last season, Grandal was as good as any catcher in baseball in terms of that offense and defensive combination. Made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, they didn't they didn't spend much to bring him in either. So, um, you know, I'm like I said, I'll go see just because I think 
I agree with you, Nick. The best move they've done this offseason is extending Mitch Keller, uh, making him the highest paid pitcher in team history. Um, but again, you were going to have Mitch Keller in 2024 regardless. So extending Mitch Keller doesn't change the outlook for this upcoming season. Even with that extension, your starting rotation is still uh, just it's it's something. It's there. There there's going to be five human beings who are going to go out there and start baseball games um, on the mound. And after Mitch Keller, I don't know what to even try to expect from any of them. Um, you still have major question marks at second base. You still aren't 100 certain how the outfield is going to shake out. You, you mentioned Davis. I will tell you this now. If Henry Davis starts the year at AAA, the first podcast we record after after the opening day roster is announced, slap the E next to it on Apple Podcasts because I will be out of my goddamn mind if they actually st- – I don't care if he is Ryan Domit behind the plate. Then you play him in right field or DH him. You do not send him to AAA. They have already botched his development so much. Don't make it any worse. But – yeah, again, I, I, I'm going to give it a C. I, they've done – the Keller thing was great. Um, obviously, you would love to see O'Neill Cruz be next. Um, and I, from the Pirates' point of view, I understand they want to wait to see if Cruz looks healthy and whatnot to start the year. So I don't I don't fault the Pirates there on that end if that's the deal. But you'd love to see Cruz be next. But, yeah, the, the, the biggest move they, they've done this offseason didn't change roster for 2024. So I'll give it a C. I think Rondall is a nice addition. I think the Chapman addition – Gives you one of the best bullpens in the National League, maybe the best bullpen in the in the division. Um, but you got You got to get the lead to the bullpen, right? This bullpen can play a lot of six, seven, some nights even five inning games. But you got to get them to lead. And I don't know how often that's going to happen. The starting rotation. That's still my big concern. Is this starting rotation is still pretty bad? Post trade deadline, Trey Marty. Post trade deadline are Chapman and Grundall. Both still here, one still here, both gone. Just simple, simple as that. I'm going to say they're both still here. And the reason I'm going to say they're both still here is I think this division is going to be mediocre enough that the Pirates are going to be within, you know, three, four, five games of first come the trade deadline. So they won't necessarily be motivated to move guys. But if only one of them would be here, I would guess Grandal because I think they would they would wager that what Grandal would provide to this team in the clubhouse and working with Davis and Endy as he works his way back from Tommy John would be more valuable when they get in a trade. So I, I think they'll both be here because I think this team will still kind of be hanging around. But if only one of them's here, I'd go Grandal. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you there. I think when you look at Chapman. Um, you know, that the top teams are going to be looking at him uh, at, in the playoffs, whether even if the Pirates are in it, they're going to be calling because he is who he is. Um, it happened last year and he proved to be very useful for the Rangers down the stretch. And, and that could be uh, logically speaking, like the Royals got, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Roush or something like that. I think it is. He's a big lefty who throws hard and went, went right pretty much right into their bullpen and had success. So you, when you move a guy like Chapman, if you can find the right, you know, this year, especially if you find the right deal where, you know, you're, you're flipping Brad Lincoln for Travis Snyder, you know, where you're, you're kind of taking a, a, a guy that you're, 
selling high on in terms of a relief pitcher and trying to get, you know, a player who will have more of a everyday uh, potential impact. So I, I, I th- I'm, I'm there with you. I think that is probably the most likely scenario that plays out. I think even if we're out of it, I think Rendall, like you said, still sticks around um, unless he's just, you know, having an absolute bounce back season, obviously. But I think they would, like you said, prefer his um, his leadership, but also like, again, like just having a guy back there to eat, eat innings effectively as a catcher for the pitching staff. Um, is important as well. So, Trev? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're probably right. The The most likely scenario is they're both around. I think the least likely scenario, though, is one stays, one goes, to be honest. I think they're either going to be at a point where, you know, they decide, okay, hey, we love the, uh, you know, what kind of veteran presence um, a guy like Osmani Grandal brings to this team. But, hey, you know, Jason Delas, he's got a few more gray hairs. He'll be our veteran. We'll move, uh, you know, Grandal. And I think at that point, um, you know, if you're in a position where you're so uncompetitive, you are moving both. Uh, you know, what has Osmani Grandal been? And what does the return look like for either guy? But, um, yeah, I, I think both go or both stay. I, I think it would, uh, the most – or the least likely scenario, rather, is that um, one in, one out. But, hey, it is a catcher, so – it, it might not. Uh, That's the thing. The- They're both like positions that will always be sought after at the deadline. Yeah. Left, lefty back end arm and a, a catcher who can, you know, be a starting catcher in a pinch if you need them to be. Like, yeah. So, and their I, names too, right? I mean, that probably means nothing. You know, but See, I, I don't. Minutes. I don't think that means nothing though, because they're both guys who have proven it. They've proven it in the postseason. They've proven it in multiple pennant races. I mean, Rodas Chapman is a guy that it's. It, he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's probably always going to be in the discussion, right? You're going to look at him here six years earlier for starters, like because of the whole like, coming from Cuba stuff. At that time, he wasn't able yeah. to get over here right away, like. Yeah, I mean, he would have had that trajectory. like, And even with the career he's had, I think he's going to be a guy that people are always going it, to it, – it's going to be very similar to Andrew McCutcheon. He's going to be a guy where it's always going to be okay. Is he just the Hall of Very, Very Good or is he the Hall of Fame? So I think, you know, I think that carries something. And, and you know, just the, real quick, Nick, to circle back, because you mentioned that trade last year. I looked it up. Cole Reagan's. The picture yeah, you're thinking of in, in 12 starts with Kansas City, he had a 264 ERA and a 33% strikeout rate in 71 innings pitch. So, like, I mean, the Royals obviously are very happy with that deal because they got a guy they're going to build a rotation around for a long time. Um, I think so, they got someone else in that deal too, but yeah, but like you, like you said, you already got the immediate returns on the Reagans. If, if the other guy never plays another game, you, that trade's a win for Kansas City. It's a win win. Texas put on a one world series, and Kansas City has their anchor for the next six years in the rotation yeah also i want to take a minute just to note on the fact that the amount of people that you probably indirectly made upset by not out now doing it but indirectly calling the brad lincoln trade a good trade for the pirates because at the time (laughs) there were people who acted as if had the pirates not traded brad lincoln they would have won the world series in 2012 that was 
baseball like a season. Yeah, that, that was indeed a very good trade for the Pirates because Travis Snyder Don't was a key cog on three straight postseason teams. I was shocked. Don't get me wrong. I remember I was surprised they traded him because I'm like, this guy's finally looks like he's turning a corner and now we're going to trade him. But then it was like you looked. You looked at the bullpen first off, and you you saw kind of a similar bullpen situation mm-hmm. they have now, where they have that one extra guy, and yep. he chose right with Lincoln. You had Grilly, you had Melanson, you had Watson. You still had Hanrahan at the time. Wilson. That was the year Justin Wilson made his debut. Yeah, that bullpen was loaded. It would be very similar to the Pirates okay. doing something like that this year, like a Carmen Majinski or a Dowie Moretta, you know. But yeah, this that trade. I just laugh because I remember the the reaction that night and day on that trade and looking back on, like you said, Lincoln was out of baseball from like a year and a half. And meanwhile, Travis Snyder is on three postseason teams, including 2014, not to get off track here, but in 2014, when people overlooked the fact that Gregory Polanco was struggling to figure it out, Andrew McCutcheon was hurt and Travis Snyder had a monster year in right field. That 2014 team probably does not make the postseason without Travis Snyder. So that trade undoubtedly worked out in the favor of the Pirates. It didn't help that, you know, the Pirates, based off that article in the Athletic the other day, it's not surprising, but the Pirates made the trade at like 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it was like super late. My one buddy texted me and I was like, it's like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> like how, and then I looked and it was sure enough. And it's like. Keone Kello all over again. Or I guess that was a precursor to Keone Kello, but still. But like, is that why they these deals happen after midnight? After reading that article, it might, well, I mean, the the Keller deal wasn't with the, with the Keller trade. The report always was Taylor Hearn couldn't be reached because he was asleep. Yeah, because right. I remember I woke up to take a piss at like three in the morning, and I had like six text messages from him, like, "Oh my god, what happened?" I was like, "Like who died? Like what is going on?" It's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, but it was. Like, yeah, that's what they told us, <laughs> you know? It's yeah, like, but it was that the truth? Was it, hey, we wait. Dollars. <laughs> God, just, oh, my God, that article. I mean, anyway. 14 in general. Uh, but you said it, Nick. That was surprising, I think, a little bit, that Brad Lincoln move in particular uh, at the time. But I think that's, you know, and it's not to get into the wormhole of comparing this regime to the last one, but I think it's fair. I don't think this regime is doing things like that. I don't think they're getting crafty. And I just, it doesn't seem like this regime is looking at things anywhere close to the way the last one did. And maybe they're looking at things in a better light in some areas, you know, with a worse mentality in others. But it just feels so much different. And, uh, you know, winning in a small market, um, takes luck, takes a very particular strategy, of course. But uh, stuff like that, I think, is what continued to bring you back to the old regime when they would, you know, lead you astray. And this regime isn't doing things that maybe you consider crafty uh, like the last one was. I, I will say this, the the main difference that I see is kind of like you're saying, like the crafty thing. Like, it does seem like, okay, hey, these guys, Cabron Hayes, Brian Reynolds, like these guys have proven that they're going to be big leaguers. Like, let's keep them here, you know? And instead of trying to get cute and flipping one of them, you know, mm-hmm. trying to fill three holes by trading one, and then you end up getting Jerry Sands, Tony Pimentel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so different. I don't know. I don't think that's totally- – one thing the Pirates, I will give them, 
and as cheap as Bob Nutting is, one thing they've always been good at is extending their guys, right? Jose Talbot, Andrew McCutcheon, Polanco, Marte, Cervelli, Josh Harris. Yeah, all those deals were a lot different. I mean, the McCutcheon. Well, how were they different? They weren't different. They were They were chump change compared to these. The players things. took it. Why wouldn't it? It's not, <laughs> it's a, not the team's fault. Havana took like a six-year, $16 million. Well, yeah, he was probably also 40 years old at the time, though. And just <laughs> he, Well, it was <laughs> But, like, I mean, I would argue the Cabrian Hayes contract was chump change, even if he couldn't hit. His defense alone makes that yeah, contract like, a steal. But I'm talking, just saying, is, and, as much as people want to rip on nutting, one thing I will give him credit for is he is always committed to keeping his players around. I can't give That's him that. That's all credit. I'm saying. Yeah, Marty, I don't know. Well, I can't. I can't afford to give the guy any credit. I don't. I'm. Just, I'm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, dating back even before that, they gave Nate McLeod and Paul Mahalam contract extensions before they were traded. He has proven he will pay to keep guys around. That, that's all I'm saying. I'm not well, saying it's good, bad, or otherwise. Last things village, then you know. <laughs> well, that uh, it's a great segue there, Marty. I mean, they're paying. Mitch Keller, $77 million, the most money they've ever given to a pitcher. Now, where's the black and gold? Uh, and I think the one thing that I would say, craftiness, you know, cuteness, whatever the last regime was, this regime is calculated. They've been very calculated, or at least on the surface, things have been calculated. You point to the drafts, uh, you know, maybe some are more publicly calculated. Yeah. Which- Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, they're super not, they're still super not public about stuff. But like you said, the draft, like they, they definitely like after the fact hyped up what they were, what they did in 2021. You know what I mean? Where I think the previous regime, I think they were also very calculated to, uh, to a fault at times. And that's what ultimately got them, you know, fired. But like, I think with them, it was just, everything was always so hush hush that you really didn't know if Neil was, you know, actually, you know, sleeping or if he was getting wake up calls on Twitter. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like there was a less of a, a fuck given, you know, about the fans opinions. Maybe that's not true, but that's how it felt. I think with the last regime. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I did the circle back to the, the, the Keller contract real quick though. One thing that's wild to me. And again, you're accusing Jose, the, the old regime with chump change. Mitch Keller just signed an extension where he's going to make less money per year than Michael Walker is going to make this year. Okay. Like that is an absolute steal. Thought out two years of arbitration. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a five year deal. I'm assuming it kicks in now. You buy out his last two years of arbitration, three years of free agency. Nick, I know you mentioned this on Twitter earlier today. It's a great deal for Keller as well because he still hits free agency again at 31 for a chance for a big payday. But it also gives him that safety net of if things don't go right these next few years, if he does get injured, whatever it is, he still has that money where he and his family are set for life. Like it's it's a great deal for both sides, but I think more so for the Pirates because again, my, Michael Walker. 
who is not been anything has not been better. Mitch Keller from May of 2022, when he turned it around to now is a much better pitcher than Michael Walker has been in 10 years. And Michael Walker will make more money the next two years than Mitch Keller will. Yeah. I mean, it's super team friendly at the end of the day, like yeah. 15 million. When you, when you consider Lance Lynn, who had a, who's 36 years old and had a, Six and a half ERA last year is making twelve million dollars this year. Yeah, like give yeah. me that contract. Yeah, sure. yeah. When when you got a guy whose ERA, he's coming up a season where his ERA is that of like an average credit score, and he's making less than Mitch Keller. Like that's. But again, I I also think this goes to show that there is, and you hear people say it. Garrett Cole has even said it since he's left multiple times. There is something for a lot of these guys about playing in Pittsburgh. And, and I don't even necessarily think it's the pirate. I definitely don't think it's the pirate organization, but I think it's the city itself. <laughs> I think it's the fan base um, where these guys are just comfortable and they want to be here because you don't have the pressure of a big city market. You know, I, I remember one time this was like 2012, 2013. I was just like hanging out on down on the river walk before behind the ballpark for a game. And AJ Burnett came strolling along and I, and I kicked up a conversation with him. And one of the things AJ told me he loved about Pittsburgh was he could do that. Like he was just out going for a walk. He'd go out there and fish. Like he can never do that in New York city, you know? And I think that's something that players appreciate about Pittsburgh. And, and you see that with some of these contracts, like they Reynolds, Hayes and Keller all could have gotten much more in the open market than they got here. And I, I do think that that's telling for, the way players view this fan base, they view the city. Um, yeah, because again, I, I don't think it's a reflection on how they necessarily view the organization itself. Well, we get that second half haze next year, also. Like that contract is. Oh, that contract is the biggest steal in baseball. Yeah. If what he did from. That's like, remember when Longoria had that ridiculous contract with yeah. Tampa where he was. It'll be like that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's honestly, because if, if, if Key Brian Hayes takes what he did from June 1st last year through the end of the year and does that through a full season combined with his defense. He essentially is Evan Longoria because that's what Longoria was. The best defensive third baseman in baseball with well above average offense. Like, yeah, that would just be – I, in my opinion, that might be the biggest still of a contract in baseball if he can give you that offense over a full season. I think that deal almost gets overlooked some too because I think the Brian Reynolds deal is a one deal you'll circle with this regime and think like, man, you know, they finally got over – $100 million, that was you know such a splash one, and it was later on there, too. But Mitch Keller, and you said it, Marty, players aren't looking at this organization thinking, hey, you know, I, I love being a Pittsburgh Pirate because of how well-run this organization is, but for Mitch Keller specifically, I think this is a guy that, you know, is probably thinking, hey, uh, probably should have given up on me at a certain point, um, you know, or, or maybe could have moved on with the history, but the Pirates stuck it out with Mitch Keller. Um Am I crazy to think that this is still somewhat of a risk, though, gentlemen? I mean, obviously, this deal on the surface is a steal for the Pirates. I mean, you know, we're talking about, like you said, Marty, a guy that is going to get paid, but a guy that's going to get pa- uh, paid less than Michael Walker. Um, you know, but a guy that will get paid, I think, somewhere between 15 and 20, or it might have been 20 and 25 million. Um, yeah, I think that's a three-year a three-year stint where he gets, um, you know, varies somewhere in that range. Yeah. Am I crazy to think that this is still somewhat risky, that this is the guy you give more money to than any other pitcher in the, the franchise's history? I, I don't think it is. Like, and here's why. It, it's the cost of pitching, right? You yeah. know, if, if you throw out the 2020 COVID season where 
Keller had a negative war in his career. He's averaging about, about 2.0 war per season. And in baseball for a pitcher, one war is worth six to $7 million. So even if he's just that kind of run of the mill, two war pitcher, and I expect him better than that, but even if that's what he is, you're, you're, you're paying market value. You're, you're paying market value for that. Again, look what Michael Walker got. Look at what Lance Lynn got this off season. Like, if Mitch Keller is just an average number three starting pitcher for you, you're still getting great value on what you're paying for him. So I get what you're saying, but that's why I don't necessarily think this deal is a risk for the Pirates. Yeah, Marty, I'm I'm with you there. In a Pirates lens, I can see why we it would be viewed as a risk because fifteen million dollars is like a, a a legit what. 20% of our payroll like currently so like I get where the the idea of a risk comes in but like Marty said like I mean it's that or go pay a starter who is going to be you know maybe as good as Keller if not worse the same money on the on the free agent market you know and it's pitching's expensive power's expensive so you know, if you can swing those right deals, like like Marty said, if Keller is just what he's been the last two years, and yeah, he the hiccup at the end of last year, I I get that for sure too. I mean, that was a little concerning, but he also bounced back with some good starts. So I think overall, it's it's I'm with Marty. It's um, I think a is not as big of a risk as initially like you would think. I also think part of the reason why it may look like a risk is as pirate fans, as people follow the pirates, you've been conditioned to think $15 million is some astronomical amount of money. It's not, it's, it's not in today's baseball. Scherzer got 45 million last year. Exactly. (laughs) And like, I would take Mac, Mac Scherzer is a first ballot hall of famer arguably the best right-handed starting pitcher of our generation. I would take Mitch Keller over Max Scherzer right now for a lot of different reasons. So like, it's just, again, I think part of it comes from as people who are fans of or follow the pirates. And if that's your lens that you view baseball through, you think $15 million is an astronomical amount of money. Right. I think it's similar. You look at some of the issues with the Steelers right now, between not be able to find a quarterback and should you move on from your coach and through a Steelers lens, it's weird because you've had three coaches in 60 years or whatever it is. You were set a quarterback for 20 years before two years ago. Most teams in football are just churning through. I mean, that's just normal. And I think with the pirates, with the way they spend, it's similar to that because spending $15 million is such a novel concept for the Pirates. It's similar to when they signed Chapman and people were freaking out about them giving ten and a half million dollars to a setup man that that that's going great. That's going great for a dominant seventh, eighth inning arm is ten and a half million dollars. So I think some of that also just comes from the way the pirates have conditioned their fans and people follow the team, the, to uh, view baseball through a lens. That's not always, um, you know, realistic, or reality for what baseball actually has become. And like that, that's the tough thing about this. And like, I want to make this clear, like $15 million a year for Mitch Keller, like we're celebrating it in a way because it is very, 
player uh, team friendly. And in the long run, it's going to help the Pirates um, if he does what he's been doing. But we should not be fully applauding Bob Nutting still. I mean, it's a joke that this is the first time they've given out a contract that pays north of 15 a year. Um, you know, they should have gave out two or three of those this offseason. <laughs> the fans would have had it their way. So, yeah, I know. I agree. I get what you're saying. And just earlier, I wasn't no, I'm saying. Not, you know, no, I'm not even just... arguing with – I'm not arguing that point. I'm just yeah. circling back and making sure we we remember that while we're we're excited about the contract, let's not, you know, don't forget about the article that came out. Oh, yeah. And again, they they do a good job taking care of their guys, but they need to spend more in free agency to legitimately compete. You know, you look at the years when they have legitimately competed in our lifetime, they went out and spent on Francisco Liriano. They went out and spent money to acquire AJ Burnett. They went out and spent on Russell Martin. Like they were spending, they weren't big spenders of free agency, but they were spending. You know, Russell Martin is still the biggest free agent contract in franchise history. And for God's sake, that was more than 10 years ago. So that that is definitely a big issue still, no doubt. Oh, you're forgetting about Frankie. Well, I don't, I, well, Frankie, Frankie was different. It was different because he was coming back. I'm he saying free agency. He, but he never actually hit free agency. He resigned with the Pirates for he's even legally allowed to talk to anybody else. That was a different no. story. No, he signed at the winter meetings, didn't he? No, no, no. I'm saying when he re-signed with the Pirates. That contract was worth more than what Russell Martin got, but he re-signed with the Pirates when he was still in that window where he could only talk to the Pirates. Like, he never officially hit free agents. Like, yes, he was, you know, elected free agency, but he never was even able to interact with other teams before he resigned. Yeah, it's, you know, I think you look at last offseason, um, you know, they didn't go crazy. They didn't spend a ton, but you feel completely fine with that as a foundation for what this offseason was supposed to be. Um, and, you know, there's been late movement here, of course. With uh, the signings we talked about tonight, but um, December twelfth, Pirate twenty fourteen, Pirates signed Francisco Liriano as a free agent. December yeah, 12th. but but I'm December. what what I'm saying is that wasn't they weren't bringing him in from outside the organization. That was essentially a contract extension, is what I'm getting at. I, Russell I, Martin was a true free agent signing. Liriano was just coming I, off the best season of his career this, in Pittsburgh. This is all just like paper move, essentially. Like but I, again, this goes to show I'm, how screwed I'm, up this organization yeah, is. That we've been arguing for the sake of arguing with this. Yeah. But you know what I did forget? I completely forgot that we signed him in 2019 as a the pitch. And, yeah, he was out of the bullpen. Remember, that yeah. was the year they didn't trade any veterans at the deadline. You and I were pissed because it made no sense. Yeah, they I was like, all there's three agents to be. These guys. Yeah. Liriano actually was doing, like, fine. Yeah, he had a really good year as a reliever, and they kept all of their veterans instead of trading them, proceeded to lose 95 games and fire everybody. <laughs> Is that 19? Yeah, it was like him, Melky Cabrera. I forget who other. Oh, Corey Dickerson. Was that when he? Yeah, got- they, that was here. They uh, traded Dickerson and literally got nothing in return. Beer Temple reported that they were getting a player to be named later, and then, <laughs> and then it just never it happened. Like, like three weeks later, they were they reporting him like, oh wait, never mind. It literally just like here you go, Philadelphia, take him. 
And then uh, Juan Nicasio, that whole debacle. Oh, with the waivers and everything. Ends up with God. the Cardinals. What a, like, God, what, what a disaster that final season really was for the old regime. My God. That stretch. That's why I think they knew they were done, honestly. Yeah. I think they like, knew. Really, the, the highlight of that season was. Like, how do you not trade Nicasio for something? Yeah. The guy was solid for a couple years. They they, yeah. they saved his career. <laughs> he was a good swing man. He could have started games, pitched out of the bullpen. Like Honestly, the highlight of the 2019 season was Yasiel Puig already after being traded, still getting involved in that brawl. And the disaster that unfolded that night in Cincinnati. That was the highlight of the season. Amir Garrett trying to fight the entire dugout only for Kyle Crick to slug him in the face. Dude, talk about two relievers that can't find work, you know? <laughs> Gosh. That series, uh, that brawl, of course, uh, that moment there. But uh, a forgettable season, um, a frustrating deadline, of course, that year. And what you could call a frustrating offseason this year. Uh, but Who there is the some uh, forward moon. What's that, Nick? Who was the last contract extension that uh, Neil Huntington gave out? Cervelli, I'm going to say. Who? Who? Yeah, because what year was Cervelli? Going into 16, I believe. Uh, there is there is an extension after that. Because Cervelli was after Harrison. Because Jay Hayes' extension was like on, <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the wrong side of baseball right now. You're 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 thinking offense. It's not an offensive player. Oh well, some could call him an offensive player. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> you're awful. I'm pretty sure that's it, though. Yeah, right? you're right. It was he who should not be named was the last extension that he was gave such out. A deal that was another good deal. Then it was added to the value, and so that's the other thing is like just because these guys got extended, you know, don't rule out that they're still not going to be traded. You know, or wind up pitching in the penal <laughs> league. <laughs> Well, Marty, that's what you're saying, though. We're conditioned to think this way. Really we're, like, we're like waiting. We are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. We, we really are. Like, well, I get, not, not to make light of this situation, but I just, I remember when that news broke, you texted me and you're like, why does it always have to be a good, like, why can't it be the random, yeah, like, it's always know, fucking eighth guy in the bullpen? Like, it's always somebody important. Hey, and, you know, that I let's just let's just move on from that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Two Where upward references uh, already in the episode. We're talking about the off season of twenty twenty four. What do you mean uh, already? Forty minutes in, Trey. <laughs> we get uh, one twenty minutes. I, it's fair, you know. It's it's super fair. At least at the very minimum, one an episode, and we missed out last episode, so we got to make up for it here. Um, but those kinds of things. Uh, the F-Man, you know, that kind of um, undertaking that constantly happens to the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's why I think you, you still hesitate a little bit when you see them pay anybody 15 to 20 million a year. That's why I think that circles back to your original, your original comment, you know, is this a risk? And right, here we well, are. And Mitch Keller too, Nick. I mean, it's like not just everything going wrong for the Pirates always, and that's going to be the case forever. But Mitch Keller, you know, a guy that for a portion of his career, we got on here and said, well, you know, this was just another fucking bust. This was another guy they took in the first round that's not going to be a Pirate in the coming years. 
Um, so I think that's that kind of adds that extra layer of okay. Because they're always waiting for that to show back up. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or waiting, waiting for his first pitch of spring training to line back up the middle off his shin and just derail a season. Who's that? AJ Burnett. <laughs> but yeah. but the ball in his orbit. Bro. Are you talking about Ty on the, in the Navy SEAL trade? <laughs> yeah. Okay, baby. Okay, embrace the suck. <laughs> <laughs> Something. I mean, something is going to happen. Um, but this is something to get excited about. Five years, $77 million. This will replace the one-year five. I think it was $5.4 million uh, contract they had in place. Um, and, you know, we'll, I think uh, we'll see Keller make that $5 million this year and then uh, a varied 15 to 20, 25 for the next three. And then um, details you can find on Jason Mackey's Twitter on our website as well, uh, rummeter.com, within – Articles breaking down this sign and, uh, you know, what it means for the Pirates. But as we begin to uh, put a bow on it here tonight, gentlemen, um, your, your thoughts on the start to, to spring training? Obviously, uh, some disgruntlement with the uniforms, the job that Fanatics is doing with the pants and the jerseys as well. But your initial thoughts, spring training uh, in its infancy stages here. But, um, Nick, your, your first thoughts when you saw uh, the lights turn on down there in Bradenton? Well, I... Like you said, I thought I could see way uh, too much going on with the baseball players in the uniforms. Um, <laughs> it, it's like every every day a new picture comes out that's worse than the day before. <laughs> you there's one today of the there's, there's that guy bending over on the pod yeah. right today. Like honestly, like not good. But anyhow, uh, I have a feeling. I have a feeling there's going to be some new jerseys getting made pretty fast here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, um, I think as always, like for me, spring training, you know, especially in the early days, I, I really like, um, watching just because we get to see a lot of prospects that we typically, you know, won't get to see until they debut probably. So that's always to me, like one of the highlights and one of the, the key things to watch about, um, you know, I think Derek, Derek Shelton was talking about Tamar Johnson. Like, you're not going to get that um, that interview, that that dialogue, you know, for a while. So, the fact to get to hear the big league, you know, staff uh, talking and some of the other players talking about what they see from the prospects is always just, you know, like I said, just more more information for us um, as fans and. Like I said, and then of course, you know, we'll get to see them get plugged into the lineup a good bit, um, also. So overall, just you know, I'm excited. Jared Jones is pitching, uh, I believe, second on on opening day for the Great Grapefruit League for the Pirates. So um, that's what I mean. I'm I'm excited to see some of these what some of these young guys who could make an impact on this team this year um, are going to show. Yeah, no doubt. Marty, uh, your thoughts to this point. Um, what would you say about Jones there too, Nick? It's going to be so exciting. And, uh, you know, trying to give my boy Seth as much extra time before uh, his bad time here. But Marty, uh, your thoughts on the start of spring training. Yeah, I mean, I think one big thing to me was spring training. And I don't want to put the, the horse too far ahead of the card here, but by all reports, Ronzi Contreras has looked like Ronzi Contreras again. Velocity's been up movement's been there. He's been having success throwing live batting practice to guys. And man, I tell you what, 
if you can get the Ronzi Contreras that we saw in 2022 and we saw in April of last year, that that changes a lot with this starting rotation. You know, if you can get that version of Ronzi Contreras to go with Mitch Keller and then get one other guy to pitch consistently until Skeens and Jones, et cetera, arrive, that changes a lot with this rotation and with your outlook. So hopefully that can continue. We'll be excited to see what Roe can do in Grapefruit League games. You mentioned Saturday, Nick. Yeah, Bailey Falter is going to start. Jared Jones will come in after him. Excited to see what Jones can do. I mean, that's um, how the season's going to go, right? Falter is probably going to start on yeah. the roster that Jones Jones will come in and take a spot, yeah. But, no, I mean, people, in all honesty, people, brace yourselves for Bailey Falter in the opening day roster. He is out of options. Their front office tried to acquire him at both the 2021 and the 2022 trade deadlines. We're finally getting him last year. He will be on this roster in some fashion. So just brace yourselves for that. But, um, no, it'll be exciting to see what Jones can do. Um, I know I've said it before, schemes aside of kind of like the big four pitching-wise, uh, Bubba Chandler, Thomas Harrington, Jones, and Solomedo. Jones and Harrington are the two that I'm really excited about, so curious to see what Jones can do. And just, you know, it's like I said, baseball. You know, hear that crack of the bat, hear the gloves popping, that kind of stuff. It, it, it's it's nice to have a back. It's exciting to have a back. So the beginning of the episode – from a coaching standpoint, I'm excited to get back at it next week with starting with the, one of my three teams that I work with. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just exciting to have baseball back. And, you know, I, I, I made a joke a earlier, too. Alive, baby. What's that? I said, and Twitter couldn't be more alive. Oh, I love it. But uh, I made a joke earlier. I don't remember if it was on Twitter in our Slack channel where it was that, you know, with, with the pants – um, rumor is that archived games this year, instead of being on MLB.tv are going to be on Pornhub with those pants. So, uh, <laughs> I, I learned today what color and brand of underwear Austin Hedges wears. So let me tell you, I, I definitely needed that in my life. It's ridiculous. I saw a post, even a player had since I tweeted a picture of it or something. And fanatics had responded thinking it was a fan, uh, trying to get him a, a new Jersey there out of the locker room, uh, at their spring training site. Guys, go check us out at runbutter.com. Articles talking about everything we covered tonight. And, of course, previewing what is to come here in spring training as the Pirates get set for their first uh, Grapefruit League game, the Twins. That's 105 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Get to see Bailey Falzer, who should get you probably just about as excited as a guy like Jared Jones, huh? Uh, but at least for that day. That's Saturday at 105. That is where the Pirates kick it off. Follow us on Twitter as well, at runbutter. Nick said it. It's uh, it's buzzing. So catch us over there. Um, and guys, as always, thank you so much for taking in our content, listening to the podcast, checking us out on the website, and uh, you know being a part of our coverage. It's been a weird off season, but it's been a fun day. As Mitch Keller is a seventy-seven million dollar man, a five-year extension for Nick Caparoso, Marty Lee. My name is Trey Anity. Thank you for listening, and let's go, Bucks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.